It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Locked On Suns, party Locked On podcast network. Today, as always, I'm your host, Evan Sider. I'm joined by co-host Brendan Clean. You can follow me on Twitter at EastSider. You can follow Vernon on Twitter at VernonClean14. You can also follow our Locked On Suns Twitter if you haven't already at Locked On PHX Suns. This Twitter is very much appreciated as always. And we're joined today by a very special guest, Mason Ginsberg of Bourbon Street Shots. Mason, how do you do that? Uh, pretty good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, no problem at all. Thanks for coming on, Mason. And might as well. It's been really interesting to see all the parallels in the last few weeks between New Orleans Pelicans and the Phoenix Suns. We should start off here with the David Griffin news because a former Phoenix Sun employee, he was with the GM, I believe, for 15 or so years. Then he went to the Cavaliers and did his thing there. Then he went to NBA TV for a year. Then, surprising to me, at least, Mason, that he took the Pelicans job. What what was your thoughts on the whole David Griffin situation where they kind of were shuffling on the fly there as far as firing Del Vance and you playing a coup, I think, at David Griffin? Yeah, I, everyone's pretty happy about it. I, I, I mean – you can split hairs about his uh, tenure running the Cavaliers. Some things. I mean, every GM throughout their, uh, you know, their career is going to have successes and failures. And I feel like uh, David Griffin's pretty uh, broadly done the right things. Um, and the fact that he, he's been the biggest name on the market as far as the top executive for, or definitely one of the biggest, if not the biggest, for the last uh, few years. And he's turned down a few jobs and. Uh, that's one thing. So we had, uh, Amin al Hassan on our podcast, uh, about a week or so ago. And that's one of the things he mentioned that was just so, so, so uh, so great for new Orleans is that this is a guy who's had the ability to turn down multiple jobs waiting for the right job. And apparently new Orleans is that for him. And, uh, like I said, it's been met with almost, uh, a completely positive reviews. And I think he just got the, the free reign and the, uh, the runway to, to build this organization uh, from the ground up the way he wants to. Yeah. I want to actually hit on what exactly the, the difference was. I mean, I think Del Demps kind of got to do what he wanted to do. I think that, I don't know, you, you correct me if I'm wrong anywhere here, but it, it didn't really ever seem to me. I think the idea of, you know, Mickey Loomis and that side of the whole business being overly involved with the Pelicans always seems a little overblown when people talk about it. It felt like Dell was able to mostly do what he wanted to do, but obviously the biggest change since he uh, was fired and this new regime has kind of come in was, was ownership. And obviously Suns fans aren't going to have the same situation happen with the passing of an owner, but uh, just the idea of how much a change in perspective at the very top can impact things. Do you feel like that's what really locked this in for Griffin? The, villi- the ability to have that trust from ownership, to have the buy-in that he's really going to be able to do what he wants to do and um, make the moves that he sees fit? Yeah, absolutely. I think that was the, the number one thing thing for him is uh, he, he clearly has he, – he always mentions whenever anyone asks him why he took the job, he mentions the, the foundation of ownership and it starts, it starts with Gail Benson. Uh, so specifically, I mean, for, for uh, as far as 
the situation with Dell Demps was concerned. I mean, I, I, I do agree he was able to run the organization as he saw fit, but it was always within the context of uh, of management or, or ownership and, and what they allowed him to do or not to do. And the, the uh, con- conventional wisdom was kind of that that Tom Benson – um, he, he wanted to win now. He, he was, he's an, obviously, I mean, now that he's, he's passed away, he was, a, he was up there in years. Uh, he bought the team maybe, a, a you know, earlier in the 2010s and I'm sure he wanted to be as good as possible, as quickly as possible. And so while you saw Dell Demps add young players around AD, it was clear that they were expediting the timeline a little bit and that doesn't excuse some of the moves that Demps made like oh the the Omer uh, Ashik extension and the mm-hmm. Solomon Hill contract but he did he definitely had some uh he had to operate within certain guardrails so to speak and I think that uh Griffin was given carte blanche by Gale and that that it, it goes a long way. Mason let me just ask you this just from an overall perspective covering the Pelicans this past season. I just wanted to get your overall thoughts on just what it was like the past year covering this team. <laughs> um, a roller coaster, that's for sure. I mean, if you even I mean, go tracking back to uh, the, the trade for Demarcus Cousins a, a couple of years ago, it's been it's been up and down. You know, the, the trade for Cousins uh, optimism's high. You finally have a second star to pair with AD. Then they don't make the nothing really changes, and they don't make the playoffs that year. Um, which I mean wasn't a total shock. That's a huge change midseason to try to implement into a roster and, and, and a game plan, uh, adding Demarcus Cousins. And then the following year, <laughs> you, you've got you, you. It feels like you're just starting to really put things together with Boogie. Uh, they they were on probably the best stretch of their season with him, uh, beating the Rockets uh, in a game where I think Capella, Paul, and Harden had hadn't lost yet in that season as a trio. And then he obviously, of, of course, at the end of the game, he tears his uh, he tears his Achilles, and then you were you're back to saying, ah, shit, this is the same thing that always happens to us. Uh, and then, of course, they trade for Nico and go on a huge run, make the playoffs, sweep. Now the Western Conference finalists uh, are are in the Western Conference Finals, Portland Trailblazers, with that has mostly the same roster as last year. Um, obviously, there's there's some some players are a little older and a little better, and there's some there's some nuances there. But generally speaking, <laughs> they they beat a team that's been very good this year. Uh, and then uh, now coming up to the most recent year, you have. The, the team goes from being great in close games to being terrible in close games. They lost, they had uh, the biggest on, on cleaning the glass. They had the biggest differential between their expected win, win percentage and their actual win percentage based on net rating in the league. And of course, AD makes his trade request with the team stuck a little bit under 500 after such a promising season the year before. Um, and then, I mean, it's just, it's been a wild ride. <laughs> I haven't even gotten to the trade deadline yet. So, I mean, <laughs> just goes to show you, I mean, it's been, yeah. it's been crazy. And and this team has, and the fan base has really been yearning for some good news. And I think this, the David Griffin hire and everything they've done so far, uh, even though we haven't even gotten to the draft lottery yet, which is tomorrow night, I think everything has so far has been uh, a step in the right direction. Well, yeah, you're exactly right about the, the turmoil, the chaos. And I think, I think it's actually one of the things that, I think it gets it gets covered at like the very high levels. We know how often stars are moving around and all that. And obviously Anthony Davis falls into that category with his situation this year. But I think, you know, covering the Suns the past couple of years has really shown like 
how insane the amount of change can be from year to year. And Phoenix might be an outlier, but I don't really know if it is. And the way you describe New Orleans, I think, kind of puts that into perspective. But it actually goes right into the next guy that I wanted to talk about, who it doesn't have an exactly a connection to any recent Sun seasons, but that's Alvin Gentry. And kind of also obviously will lead us into the Monty Williams discussion that we really brought you on to have. And, and that's just, first of all, were you surprised that Griffin wanted, wants to and, and appears to be planning to keep Gentry around? And two, just kind of from what you could gather, I know you're not in there every single day or anything, but what Gentry, kind of his, he's the most calm dude you'll really ever meet and what impact that had on this season and, and seasons past, just how much change there was having a guy like that kind of running the show and how much that really kind of calmed things down. Yeah. I, I think there's two key takeaways from this whole situation that get undersold by a lot of people. And I think myself included until recently um, one being this league is just as much about relationships as it is about, as it is about everything else. These two have a history together. Um, they, they go, they go way back. Uh, and I think you you, you kind of see see that play out by retaining retaining Gentry for the next season, and also the fact that coach being a head coach of an NBA team, and this probably goes for all professional sports, but it's so much more than X's and O's. That's that's what you have assistance for, and in the NBA specifically, it's about managing personalities. It's about uh, being a leader, being the guy who will take the bullets for you when when things don't go well. It'll be the guy who you give who gives credit to you when things do go well. So it's a lose lose proposition. But I think there's just so much more to coaches than like the the thing that people all the naysayers for Alvin Gentry will point to his win loss record, and it's just that's such a superficial surface level analysis. Uh, and, and I really I, I really do commend Griffin for. Uh, valuing that relationship. And I, I think Gentry's a good head coach. I don't think he's a top head coach in the NBA. I definitely don't think he's anywhere near the bottom in the NBA. But I think that players have earned his trust. He uh, or, or he's earned the players' trust, I should say, earned their respect. And um, I, I'm not saying Gentry is the long-term solution at head coach for uh, for the New Orleans Pelicans, but I think it's smart to keep him on for another year and limit the amount of disruption and change happening in the organization. He's kind of the rock, and, and I'm looking forward to seeing uh, how he approaches next season. I'm right there with you, Mason. I'm a, a big fan of Alvin Gentry. I know he's had his history with the Suns here. Before we go on here to our next, and we're going to dive in more to the Monty Williams discussion. Also hit on quickly Aaron Nelson and Mason's thoughts on getting the Kevin Durant of trainers, so to say. I want to tell you guys really quickly about our Locked on NBA Twitter account. If you haven't already done so, go and give us a follow over at Locked on NBA Net. It is one of our valuable resources out there on NBA Twitter. Brent and I both follow the account. We have our account suite on there as well, so you can have your Locked on coverage wherever you want it, especially during the playoffs right now. You guys need to be locked in as much as possible. So go ahead and give us a follow over at Locked on NBA Net. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked on NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked on NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Now, Mason, let me ask you this. Aaron Nelson, I know you probably might not know much about him, but there's a really a, a, a long checker pass with him and, and David Griffin in Phoenix. They worked here for about 10, 15 years in Phoenix before Griffin went to Cleveland. What's your thoughts on them getting a guy like Aaron Nelson out of the Suns organization who's with the team for over 20 years and 
a guy who's really well known. If you think about the Phoenix Suns, you think immediately about their training staff. Getting a guy like that now in New Orleans, what's your thoughts? Yeah, it was a. I think it was a coup for New Orleans. Obviously, I don't. I I think it may actually be overblown slightly by some regarding his the what he actually brings to the table in the sense that I I think that. Um, yeah, I think he's one of the top guys at what he does, but I also think that, I don't know, the standard deviation for, for this type of role is lower than it used to be. I think med, uh, med staffs used to be a major competitive advantage in sports. Or I think things are getting a little bit tighter now than they used to be. But that said, it, it's to me, it's as much about the outside perception as everything else. It's the fact that New Orleans has been a habitually injured franchise, um, some bad luck, some because they they were staffed incorrectly. And now they have uh, a guy who is so well-respected throughout the NBA. Like you said, he was in Phoenix for years, decades even. And I, I think everyone around the league respects him and and trusts that he's going to do the job and do the job well. And so I think that's the biggest thing with New Orleans, that's a franchise that's been trying to repair its outside perception, whether that was earned or not. Um, you know, some of it, some of it fair, some of it not so fair, but still it's, it's about – uh, putting them in position to be in, to put themselves in the ring for for potential free agents and 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 make that make New Orleans a destination where players will want to come and stay. Yeah, I think it it, it really kind of shocked us here just because it it really felt like Griffin maybe asked the question and it was just a situation where previously no one had thought maybe we can get Aaron Nelson and and so that was uh, I think kind of an example to me of what makes uh, Griffin good at what he does, as you mentioned. I mean, just a guy who actually, I, I love the way that he, he talks about LeBron and Kyrie and stars in general, though he always uses the phrase, um, the ability to dictate outcomes. And it almost, to me, struck me him making that move as him kind of doing that same thing in his role. But let's move on to Monty because that's the guy that I think you can shed the most light on. We haven't had the opportunity to even get a press conference out of him because he made the decision to continue coaching in Philadelphia until that series wrapped up. So what, what can Suns fans expect from him? I mean, one of the things we've talked about is he hasn't been a coach for a while, so it might be tough to tell from an X's and O's standpoint, but what are, what's like one memory or a defining thing about Monty that sticks with you all these years later? Um, there's absolutely one that jumps to the top of the list without a doubt. And that's, um, and I mean, it, the backbone of it is a very sad story. If you remember, um, recent Phoenix Sun uh, R- Ryan Anderson, his uh, there was a few years back when he was with the Hornets, New Orleans Hornets at the time. His uh, his girlfriend uh, com- committed suicide, and it was just a really devastating uh, moment for for really everyone who knew Ryan Anderson and knew their families. And uh, I, Mon- uh, the the first person that I think Ryan Anderson confided in, but apart from his family, was Monty. And I think. I, there was a really good story put out. I think it was Chris Ballard. I think someone at Sports Illustrated wrote a really, really good story about about that that uh, event. I think about a year after it happened, and just how how Monty was was really there for uh, for for Ryan. And I think that it's it speaks volumes about the kind of guy Monty is. I mean, to go beyond the court and just be there for his players and know it's someone that you can really um, you know believe in and and, and really entrust uh, some of your deepest secrets too and i think um i think he's a great a great person and i i'm i'm excited for the sons to really and their fans to see what he's all about 
Let me ask you this, Mason, just about how Monty was helping develop a young team with the guy Anthony Davis from the start, and you had him for a couple of years in developing him. What's it going to be like just from a Suns fan's perspective for a, a coach like Monty Williams to have a chance to mold a Devin Booker, mold a DeAndre, and maybe even mold a Zion Williams if they get lucky tomorrow night? Ha, um, yeah, we'll see about that one. But uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so the one thing I want to caution people on with, with Monty and with coaches in general, and I think this is also something that we tend to not think about much as, as fans. We always look at um, players and their career arc and their trajectory and, you know, they're young and they're raw and then the, there's so much potential and then they hit their prime and then they kind of taper off. I think we need to start thinking about coaches more like that. Not not necessarily the back half that they're ever going to taper off and and get past their prime, but that they, the coaches are learning just like players are. I mean, you, Monty Williams in his, and when he was the coach of New Orleans, I, I generally speaking, I, I can say myself personally, I probably had more critiques with him than I had praises. But I think back then I was also younger and didn't really think through all the different responsibilities that a head coach had, apart from you know what's the net rating of this lineup versus this lineup, you know. And I had, I definitely had some rotational questions but I, I, at the same time i that, that was it feels like years ago and and your point's fair that he hasn't been necessarily been coaching the whole time because he's obviously dealt with some uh devastating news with his family in the meantime as well but i do think i mean you you're trying to learn as a as a coach in this league every moment you can to to figure out how to get a leg up on the competition and so um i i, I just I, I feel like it wouldn't almost wouldn't be doing uh it would be doing Monty a disservice to talk about his time in New Orleans because I feel like he's going to be a different coach this uh, in this next uh, iteration. I think he's I, I think he's going to be an improved version of what he was in New Orleans, which again wasn't bad. It was pretty. I'd just say it was very uh, very average, as if I could describe his uh, New Orleans tenure in a word. All right, really quick to end this segment, and we can really get into the what the people really want, which is random guesses about the draft lottery. Uh, I, I want to hear, I want to hear your like tweet length version, uh, not version, uh, review of Jeff Bauer. I I'm imagining it's not <laughs> super duper positive, but, um, I think, you know, one thing to consider for Suns fans too, that, you know, Evan and I have been trying to talk about too, like this guy's not in charge. So again, not quite apples to apples similar to Monty it's it's been a while and this guy's not in the same role but what did he do in New Orleans and how did it fare god man now you're taking me way back I just I can't believe this guy keeps getting positions of power like and it's crazy how 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 he's discussed as this well-respected dude I'm not saying I have any reason to doubt that but usually guys who get fired all the time don't carry that level of respect (laughs) it's kind of crazy to me it's it is wild and like I mean he wasn't the worst executive I've seen, I, but he he certainly was very far from the best. And like the guy, the guy made himself the de facto head coach of New Orleans one year when they fi- I can't remember who they fired midseason, but uh, I don't. It was before the Byron's. Maybe it wasn't before Byron Scott. Maybe he replaced. I don't remember what it was, but I mean it was a year where the where New Orleans was clearly tanking or and, and things things weren't going very well. But it's I, I'm the the track record isn't good. Um, I. And like you said, he's not the one making decisions and he must be a great interview and he must be a guy that other executives, when they work with him, enjoy working with him and, and think he brings something to the table. So I don't want to just completely dump on it. And But 
so there, I mean, there's got to be something there. And as long as he's not the man in charge making decisions, I, I don't think you have any reason to, you know, throw your hands up and be super upset about it. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's peculiar to say the least. All right. Before we go into the lottery stuff, I want to remind you guys really quickly to make sure that you're listening to podcasts, but particularly ours on the Himalaya podcast app. Uh, check that out if you have not already. Uh, I really, you know, like I said, I wouldn't be telling you guys about this just because I have to. I tried it out and uh, I really like it. I mean, it's not something I use every day, but like I've told you, they have exclusive content. They have a bunch of stuff that is definitely interesting to check out. There's a ton of podcasts. There's a lot of different options, but I promise this one's a good one. And when you get in your car, when you get home, tell that smart speaker, make this part of your routine, please. It helps our show out quite a bit to play podcasts locked on Phoenix Suns. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Mason. So top level thoughts here on lottery night. What Are, are you expecting the same chaos we are? Are you as scared and just afraid to even be positive in the same way we are what what are what's going through your head with the pelicans kind of having their first shot at a high pick in a while yeah it, i mean it's going to be chaos because just because of the new lottery format no team having more than a 14% chance at uh at, at a, the number 1 pick is is going to make for a, a heck of a show um new orleans obviously has a huge huge uh uh, stake in all this with the whole Anthony Davis situation and uh, the potential for, I, I mean, I think they're hoping if they don't get it, then the Knicks get it because if the Knicks get the number one pick, they can, and, and everyone thinks Kevin Durant's going to New York. You can potentially uh, say, Hey, you send us, you send us Zion, AD's all yours. So I, I think, I, I think this is obviously has huge implications for every team. That's close to close to that. Uh, the, the worst in the league, but uh, I, I am very, very excited to see it all unfold. I'll be on a, I, I, I'm on a flight back to Chicago tomorrow and I land literally right at seven 30. So I'm just like praying. I don't have any delays. Let me ask you this, Mason. Uh, the Suns have a 14% chance of number one, the Pelicans had sit at seven with 6%. If the, if the, if the 6% chance hits and the Pelicans do get number one, what does that do to the Anthony Davis stuff? Cause all of a sudden you have Zion there. Does he stay? Like what happens there? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I wish I knew the answer. Um, and I, I wonder what the Pelicans are thinking. Obviously, Griffin hasn't had to sit down with AD yet. It's been it's been talked about and he said he's going to have a, a he's he's going to bring all of the big guns to the meeting, whether it's uh, Aaron Nelson, whether it's Drew Holiday, Gentry, um, just uh, he, he's going to put on the full court press whenever that meeting comes. And as far as uh, the the number one pick is concerned, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's interesting. I, I think it would certainly help their case to keep AD. Uh, the question I would have is, does AD say, yeah, go trade for a trade Zion and go get me help? And if he says that, do the Pelicans do it? And I think that's a really interesting debate. And I'm not, I'm, I'm legitimately not sure what I would choose. I, I think I'd probably say okay if, if AD is going to sign the supermax or the. You know, the, the designated veterans extension for five years, you, you got to consider it, even though the fans might not like it because they're tired of AD. But I mean, it's uh, 
it's <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to get out in front of my skis on this one, but it, it would be certainly uh, fun to watch. It's it's a nice way to think about it that the Pelicans kind of have a twenty percent chance at Zion then because fourteen from the Knicks and six from themselves that that puts them ahead of anyone if we assume the Knicks would make that move. So. Give me uh give me one or two percent for the Lakers too. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, exactly. That's that's a good point. There you go. So twenty two. So the Pelicans are the the favorites to land him if we're operating in that reality. But um, yeah, I mean what. I guess kind of we can, I don't know, maybe close on it because it's, I don't know, it, it's tough to make predictions about the lottery because it's ping pong balls and uh, it takes place in a locked in room. But what do you, what do you make of this Anthony Davis thing kind of big picture? Like wh- where do you, what package do you like the best if we, if we include the potential of the Knicks getting Zion in there and the Bostons and LAs that have already been ballied about? Like what, situation seems the best to you going forward for this franchise um, zion's asset number one to me i think I, the 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 only way it gets even remotely interesting to me is if the celtics somehow get the king's pick jumping up to number two which is wildly unlikely and can put put not only their treasure chest of so to speak treasure chest of assets on the table but also morant and uh i, I mean even then uh, and I've gotten, I think I'm in the minority on this one, but I just, I'm taking the transcendent, uh, p- the potential transcendent talent in Zion uh, over even a, a multiple uh, or a few of those assets from Boston. So that's, wow. that's where I'm looking. Obviously that's a, uh, that's an unlikely uh, outcome. Uh, like you said, it's, it's so, even at best, it's only about one in five. Uh, so, I mean, a- apart from the Zion factor, I, I still think, um, the, the Celtics can offer the most uh, convincing group of assets. And I, I still think, and I mentioned this to Shemet on a pod we did yesterday. Um, I, I think, uh, I, I think there's going to be a dark horse or two that come out of the woodworks and you can, because the thing is you can trade, you can trade for AD and if you, it seems like you're not going to be able to keep them, you can still flip them at the deadline and you're not going to recoup everything you traded for them, but you can probably recoup a decent amount of it. If you're trading them to a team where the he'll resign. So I, I think there's still an opportunity here for a couple of teams we're not even expecting to jump into the race. I'd be remiss not to ask you this, Mason, to close out the show because I know our listeners clamor about this guy all the time. And personally, me and Bren have fawned over him multiple times this season. That's Drew Holiday. Unfortunately, when David Griffin had his press conference, it seemed like I kind of marked, crossed out Drew Holiday on my list because he was very glowing at his praise for Drew Holiday. He kind of epitomized what he wants his players to be like in Drew Holiday. But if the Suns do fall outside that top two, top three, a lot of fans are going to be in our mentions saying, let's go get Drew Holiday. Do you think there's any <laughs> chance of that happening? No. And I mean, I, I think the only way that happens is if, if the the Anthony Davis trade works out to be a total youth movement and Drew's saying, you know what, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not old, but I'm certainly not young anymore either. He's right in the middle of his prime. And he said, he says he wants to, he, he wants out to go play for a team that gets closer to competing for a, for, uh, for a title. Otherwise, I mean, the, the team has made, they, they've done everything to make him the rock and the foundation of the organization. They, I mean, it's been great. Um, and everyone, everyone loves Drew in New Orleans. So, I mean, again, I, I would totally respect his wishes if he, if we, if the Pelicans traded for Zion and a bunch of other young guys and tried to re, just rebuild from there and Drew wanted out, I, I, you, you have the conversation with him. Otherwise, I think he's, he's staying. Yeah, unfortunately, listeners out there, I think Mason's around the head there as far as his take goes with Drew. And unfortunately, that's probably not going to happen with him. But anything else you want to add on the pop, on the podcast, Brent? 
No, I think uh, tomorrow's going to be fascinating. And uh, we weren't even planning on necessarily talking lottery with you. And then thinking through it today, I was like, wow, well, the Pelicans probably have even more at stake than the Sun. So it'll be an insane night. And I, I wish your little uh, group of fans down there some luck as well, Mason. But thanks for coming on. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. I'll try to, uh, I'll try to pull up. It's been uh, actually back uh, the, when Monty was the head coach of New Orleans, I was writing a lot more than I do now. So I'll try to find some stuff that's, uh, that, that makes uh, some good points on his uh, coaching style and, and get it over Sweet. to you guys. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.